need to uh, start again by thanking uh, Roger Curry. We, I don't, you guys might not know, but uh, there's uh, Attic fans up here that haven't been working, and uh, uh, Roger and I were kind of uh, working on that and trying to make them work. And then in the process, uh, we discovered uh, some electrical things that make those work, but in the process, somehow, I think I might have managed to disconnect these lights that are supposed to be shining on me. So if I look a little bit dim today, it's because those lights aren't on, just so you know. So it's not any other excuse that you might make up for me. I might be dim uh, otherwise, but today it's because somehow I discovered we, those lights. So listen, hey, here's the question. Countryside Christian Church. Uh, we are Countryside Christian Church. It's been Countryside. It used to be Rapid City. Now it's Countryside uh, Christian Church, and that is the name of the church, Countryside Christian Church. And uh, we can be Countryside Christian Church if we want to be. Uh, we could change the name. We could change the name and not be Countryside Christian Church anymore. But uh, right now we are Countryside Christian Church. And um, uh, listen, I, I I enjoy being a part of the uh, the Tuesday morning men's Bible study. And uh, for, I don't know, probably go back a couple of months ago, and uh, Al had sort of brought up uh, some of Paul's sufferings and things like that, and we were making our way through uh, the book of 2 Corinthians, and just this last week on Tuesday, uh, we read as a group 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, here we get a little bit of insight into the Apostle Paul and what it took for him to be a part in his attitude towards being a part of Christ's church, okay? Christ, a church. We call it church, countryside, a Christian church. So here's Paul's insight as to what it was like to be a part of Christ's church. And listen to this. Just think about these things. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and following. It says this. The Apostle Paul says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from uh, fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, and in dangers in the city, in danger in the country, in dangers at sea, and in dangers from uh, false believers. I have labored and toiled, and have often gone without sleep, and have Listen, I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I have daily, I, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Here's what we know. Paul had grit. Paul had a fight inside of him. Paul was for the church, and he was willing to endure tremendous hardship and difficulties in order to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul needed to have that kind of grit because there were people all around him that did not want him to succeed. Uh, there were political figures that did not want him uh, to advance the gospel. There were religious leaders that did not want him to advance the gospel. And I believe that 
find ourselves in the same place today, we need to have a fighting spirit. We need to have some grit in order to advance the gospel because I believe that our culture today seems to be pushing in and trying to shove us into a corner and make the church smaller instead of greater and make Jesus lesser instead of more fantastic. And I think that we need to be a people that understand what Paul went through in order to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here we are, countryside Christian churches. I want to ask you, countryside Christian church, we, we can remain countryside Christian church or, or, or we could change the name of the church. We could be known as countryside safe space. Countryside safe space. What do you think? Is that, that's kind of a good around, kind of countryside safe space. Because in our culture today, uh, that's very popular. We want to be safe. Uh, we want to. don't want to have any kind of uh, upheaval. We don't want to be in a cancel culture. We don't want to be canceled. So what do you say? We change our name to countryside safe space. Countryside safe. Because here's here's what I believe about safe space church. Safe space church. Um, Unfortunately, there's a lot of them today. There's a lot of them. And uh, I believe that there are, I think if you're paying attention to this sort of thing, if you kind of have your ears around to this sort of thing, you will see that there are entire denominations that are taking a vote and uh, they're basically removing anything that might be controversial and they are standing for nothing. They are standing for nothing so that no one can cast any aspersions upon them for standing for something. And I think that that's true. And so uh, we, we have to ask ourselves, we want to be countryside Christian church or do we want to be countryside a safe space? But I, I think that we don't want to be countryside safe space. Safe space church keeps members happy. That's one of their goals. Just keep the members happy. That's the goal. Make, keep the members happy. All decisions are made by what makes the, uh, the, 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 the members happy. Uh, we don't make any waves. Uh, we don't want anybody to be uncomfortable. But here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know. If you've been a part of the church, your church, for a long time. Now, I grew up in uh, Rockford in Central Christian Church. I, I, my whole life, you know, my, from the time I was born to the time I, I left my parents' home, I, had, I grew up in the same church. And had the same preacher, Willard Kelly, the whole time. And here's what I know. The longer that you are in a church, I did the same thing when I went to Earl, the church that I came from. I was there for almost 24 years. And, uh, and we built a brand new building while we were there. And here's what I know. The longer that you are in your church, um, uh, the more it becomes your church. And really, the more entitled you feel in your church. I mean, after all, uh, we're the ones that pay the tithes, and uh, we're the ones that uh, sort of see it through the difficult times and the hard times, and uh, we're the ones that know uh, everybody and their extended family. And, and so uh, we sort of feel a little bit entitled, like this is my church. This is my church. But really, it's a countryside Christian Christian church, right? And and what is it? What does Christian mean? It's a follower of Christ, and so it's Christ's church. But sometimes when we're a part of church for a long time, and I've been a part of churches for a long time, you start to feel a bit entitled. Then you have to realize what Jesus did. Oh man, what did Jesus do? Remember Jesus? Uh, there was there was the the ninety nine sheep. That were all inside the pen. They were all tucked in and ready to have a good night's sleep. And the good shepherd goes and he evaluates the 99. And he says, oh, 
Where's the one that's lost? And he leaves the comfort of the ones that were all safe and protected, and he goes out to probably do some things like the Apostle Paul did, face some hardships in order to go after the one that was lost. And so we, you know, it's kind of... I'm kind of joking out there, just so you know. It's kind of joking about changing the name, uh, just in case you're not sure. I'm joking about changing the name to Countryside Safe Space, but I don't think we want to be Safe Space Church because Safe Space Church, what they want to do is they want to keep the members happy or Safe Space Church, what I want to do is avoid controversial issues. Avoid controversial issues. A lot of hot button, hot topic issues out there. Uh, issues like uh, uh, human sexuality and even marriage and, and abortion or even evangelism and even talking about being a church that would go out and do things beyond its own four walls. Some of those things, people push back on some of that kind of stuff. And so a safe church isn't going to bring up anything that might be counter to the culture. And so we don't want to fall into that category. I believe that with all of my heart. You know, I don't want to avoid any hot-button uh, issues. And um, sometimes if, uh, churches that want to avoid controversial uh, issues, uh, they'll just kind of withdraw and say that we're good and we're fine and they're out there and they're lost. There's kind of an us-them mentality. We don't want to have that. Safe space churches, they'll keep, their goal might be to keep, keep the members happy. It might be to avoid controversial issues. Or it might be uh, to remain cautious. Remain cautious. There's that, uh, there's that old uh, saying, you know, uh, we've never done it that way before, right? And they'll kind of adhere uh, to something uh, like that. Or maybe they'll flip that one around a little bit and say, but we've always done it that way. We've always done it that way. And safe space church might kind of go through life like that. But when you look at the Apostle Paul, I mean, this morning, just like everybody that has been beaten with rods for the gospel of Jesus Christ, just go ahead and stand up. Uh, those of you that have uh, deep scars on your back because you've been whipped for the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, how many of us, you know, I remember the first time that I was stoned, and, you know, and some of you guys are thinking, oh yeah, you know, I think you like being stoned, but then you're thinking, uh, but then I found Jesus, it wasn't stoned, but no, the other kind of stone where there's people throwing rocks at you because of your faith in Jesus Christ, but that's what the Apostle Paul, I'll do all these things in order to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. God calls us to not be safe, but to be bold. To be bold, to be bold for the gospel of Jesus Christ. God calls us to be bold. And then listen, listen to what, listen to what Peter has to say. Remember Peter, and, and, and Peter was the guy. Peter was the guy. Remember Peter? He's the guy that uh, he denied Jesus three times, but then he's confronted by the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, when he wasn't sure if Jesus was going to be raised from the dead or not, when he was being arrested and on trial, and all the, the Roman authorities and the Jewish authorities kind of had everything pinned down and under control, and then it was, it was easier for him to deny Jesus. But when he's there again, face to face with his risen Lord, they had seen him come up out of the grave, all of a sudden he is changed and transformed, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, he begins to preach, and Jesus turns the keys of the church over to Peter, and Peter preaches this fiery message, and the people that were there uh, start to notice a small group, but the group gets bigger and bigger, and, and they say to him, what must we do to be saved? What, what do we need to do? And this is what he says. Peter said, 
Hereby, repent, the book of Acts chapter 2 says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they did. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all who the Lord our God will call. And listen to this. With many other words, he warned them. Gave them a warning. He warned them. And he pleaded. He pleaded with them. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. You think the way that uh, Peter addressed the generation at that time? It's corrupt. Folks, I believe we can stand here today and get a look out at the culture. And we're not just going to kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater kind of things. Like everything outside of these doors is corrupt. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying when you pay attention, we can see that corruption in our culture is growing when it comes to comparing it to the way that, that Jesus wants us to live. And he says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Here's, here's the thing. Two things, two things. Number one is this. They were baptized into Christ. Um, Thursday night we had a, a kind of a, a church 101 class, a new members class, and talked about uh, what, what we believe in our church and who, if you want to be a part of our church, uh, uh, this is the doctrine that we believe that scripture teaches, and we talked about baptism. And I'm excited to let you know uh, that a couple of people that were in that class said, we want to get baptized. And so uh, next week, uh, Chris is going to be baptized right over here in the baptistry. And so maybe you're thinking about, I need to be baptized. And so let us know. Maybe we can have more than just one baptism and next Sunday. You can be a part of that. And then uh, we're going to do another baptism a little bit later on. So you're going to be baptized. So uh, it's baptism. It's the real deal. It's a real deal. It's, a, it's sort of a demonstration. It's an illustration. I want Jesus Christ to be, I'm going to stand up in front of people uh, that I know and care about and love, and I'm going to let them see me uh, kind of embarrass myself in a way, you know, all wet, all that kind of, that's a, and, and, and making a stand. And we believe that that's what we should do. Make, but then, back to this text. Back to this. Why did the church grow? Why did it grow and grow and grow and grow and grow? When, when they sort of brought this forth? How did that, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Well, I remember this. Remember that throughout the Old Testament, and then especially in the latter Old Testament times and the years before that Jesus came, the Sadducees and the Pharisees rose in power, and they did a great job of keeping their thumb over all of the Jews. You know that there are these laws that you must follow. Follow the law. Make sure you don't step outside of the bounds of the law. If you, You're going to be shamed if you step outside of the bounds of the law. And so everybody was scared. They're walking around. What are the Pharisees? You know, I, I don't want to do anything outside of the bounds. I don't want to do anything outside of the bounds. And then Jesus comes. Jesus comes. And he's kind of, uh, one by one, he begins to rip up some of those traditions and some of those laws and some of those things that were confined. Others he lifted up and said, now I want you to make sure you adhere to these things, but it's always to be all lathered up in love. And then it's about love. And that love, and love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor, and, and receive the forgiveness, and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there were all these Jews that were going, Maybe I can breathe. And there were all these Gentiles going, He's Jesus is for me too. We saw the love that he had when he healed people. And it just kind of grew and it grew and it grew. And people were 
attracted to the love of Jesus. So it's no longer about those rules, but now it's about I can be forgiven and my shame and my guilt can go away and God has done this for me and he invites me to be with him and a part of his kingdom. And the church grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. There was a way in the Old Testament that was harsh. And in the New Testament, it is a way of love. And God wants us to pull up beside him and do what Paul was willing to do and have a grit and a fight to advance his church. So, Countryside Christian Church, I'd like to talk three observations about Christ's church. Because we are countryside Christian church, we said Christ is a priority. And uh, to be a Christian is to be a Christ follower. And so if you're here this morning, I want you to better understand what it is to be a part of Christ's church, his church. Are you ready? Somebody say something. Yes. yes. Thank you. All right. Three observations about Christ's church. And we want to we be like Christ's church. Write this down. Christ's church takes an uncivilized approach. An uncivilized. Christ's church takes this uncivilized approach. And you might think, well, that doesn't sound very Jesus-like, uncivilized approach. Well, let's review. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. If you've watched the Chosen series, we're talking about crazy John. John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came. John the Baptist was a prophet that was sent by God to lead the way for the arrival of Jesus Christ. That was his job. And so God sent civilized, uh, okay, here we go. Did he send civilized John? In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who has spoken of prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And then it goes on to say this in verse 4 in the book of Matthew, chapter 3, starting with verse 4. It says, John's clothes were made. Now, how many other people in the Bible that get their wardrobe announced as to what they were wearing while they were preaching? Not very many. And so it's of note. It says that John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and that he had a leather belt around his waist, and then the food. What was the diet of the modern preacher, John? It was very uncivilized. He ate locusts and wild honey. And listen to this. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the, of the Jordan confessing their sins, and were baptized by him in the Jordan River. It was a very uncivilized approach. Uh, God did not send somebody that looked like the Pharisees or looked like the Jews. This dude looked like, uh, you know, a, a hippie or some kind of wild man that was out there. It was very uncivilized. Jesus did a lot of uncivilized things. <sighs> Into the dirt. Made mud. Rubbed it in the man's eyeballs. Now you're not going to be blind anymore. That's uncivilized. If I was to do that to somebody, they'd punch me. Right? <laughs> it's true. 
when you look at the way that Jesus did things, it wasn't all in this tight, pretty little box. It was out there. It was people took note. Wow, what's going on over there? It's different. It was an uncivilized approach. Jesus hung out with prostitutes and sinners. Down there, probably on the street corner, talking to them, having a conversation with them, sitting in the bar, listening to people talk, learning about them, learning their hearts. He knew their hearts. He knew what their deep need was, and he could meet that need. He took an uncivilized approach. It wasn't all clean and tidy. There wasn't anything safe about what Jesus did. Safe churches lead to self-indulgence. And look at the way that Jesus handled a self-indulgent church. In the book of Matthew chapter 21, Jesus entered the temple area and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He drove out all who were buying and selling there. There were some people that went to the temple and they had a consumer mentality. Uh, let's go down to the temple and see what we can get. Maybe there's a good deal. Maybe salvation's cheap today. Maybe we can go down to the temple and we can worship and uh, you know we don't have to do anything outside of the box. We'll just go and consume us some good old worship. They went with the consumer mentality and what did Jesus do? He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches, those that were selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Christ church takes a dangerous, uncivilized approach in spreading the gospel. When you read scripture, you see that as the disciples and the apostles were making their way around, they took an uncivilized, dangerous approach to advancing the gospel of Christ. That's what Christ's church is called to do. You can be countryside safe space. But that's not what we see in Scripture. Three observations about Christ church. Christ church takes an uncivilized approach. Christ church has a divine boldness. A divine boldness. In the book of Acts, we read that uh, uh, Peter and John were arrested. They were arrested many, many times, and, uh, you know, you're in jail, and, uh, you know, typical Friday night for an apostle, right? You're hanging out in jail again. Uh, they, you know, uh, that's facetious, but um, and they, were, they were arrested again, and they're in jail. And you know that they would be beaten when they were in jail, and that's a, that's a part of that list that Paul uh, listed out there. And then they would be warned. They would be warned. Now, when we let you out of here, we're going to release you now. But when you go back out there, make sure you stop doing this. We're telling you the government's going to come down on you. You're going to be fined. Uh, you're, if we have, we're going to arrest you again. We're going to put you back in jail. If you don't stop talking about this, this is what you're going to do. Well, in the book of Acts, chapter 4, we see that Peter and John are released from jail after having been warned, don't do this anymore. What did they do? They went right back to the house church that they were at, and they did this. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They just told us not to do that. 
we're sticking it right back in their eye because you are God and you are more powerful than they are. It says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through, you, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. When was the last time? You spoke the word of God boldly. When was the last time you were in a position to even stand up for the word of God boldly? In our culture today, almost Everything that is biblical is controversial. It didn't used to be like that. Some of you, maybe you grew up at a time where uh, they opened school with prayer. Maybe some of you remember a time when your Bible was in the school building. Today, almost everything that is biblical is controversial. Do we engage in conversations with people that don't think biblically? It's clear that Christ's church drew a line in the sand and said, when presented with an opportunity, we will be bold with our faith. Christ's church takes an uncivilized approach in Christ's church has a divine boldness and Christ's church has a risk-taking faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 and 6 says, and without faith, we can do a lot of things that we understand. Uh, we can do a lot of things that maybe we've done before dabble in something you've not tried before, it's a little more uncomfortable. And without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible without faith to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly So we all agreed to choose some men to send to them for you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul. They were sending some guys to go work at a church. They gathered some guys that were in the church, that had been working in the church, and they were going to send some guys to go help another church. What was the criteria? Men who had risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Risked their lives. Today, we boldly ask you to 
sign up on the sheet and bring donuts to our fellowship time. <laughs> Today, we boldly ask you, would you be willing to be a greeter at the church? Today, we boldly ask you to come and be a Sunday school teacher. We boldly ask you to step out in faith and help at Kids Club. We're looking for nursery workers. We do. Those are needs. Think about these things. Three ways to be bold in your faith. I want to challenge you to think outside the box just a little bit. But do these things. Number one, ask God to empower you. Isn't that what John and Peter did as soon as they came back to the house? They prayed, God, embolden us. Will you say that prayer? God, embolden me to be the kind of warrior that would be willing. Oh, I don't want to. The last thing I want is to be whipped or beaten with rods. I don't, I don't want to be shipwrecked for the gospel. I don't want any of those things. But would I be willing to endure any of those things to advance the gospel? And what I need to do is ask God that he would work in my heart, that in my gut I would be ready and I would be willing to be the, be the Christian that he called me to be. And so ask God to empower you as I ask God to empower me to be bold with my faith. And then do this, number two, pray publicly. Pray publicly. Every time you sit down in a restaurant, uh, you have uh, the ability to bow your heads before you eat and let everybody in the room know they're one of those. They're one of those. And, you know, in our culture today, uh, maybe, you, you know, uh, somebody uh, on the other side of the room uh, might be thinking, oh, I wish I had enough guts to do that. Bow your head. And there might be other people there that are going, yeah, my parents used to do that. My parents were weird. But then as they get a little bit older and they think about maybe their parents, then you don't know the example they would set. But would you be willing to pray publicly so that people would know, draw together, pray publicly so people would know? Well, talk about your church. Would you be willing to have a conversation with somebody that doesn't go to church about your church? And say, at our church, we're trying to reach our community. We got a kids program, and we got a, a cruise in that's coming, and we want people to know Jesus Christ. And our church is actively engaged in trying to reach our community because Jesus is so important. Uh, uh, we painted uh, the hall. We, we put a new carpet in our church. You should come and see it. Does it, it just look so different? That if there are no other reason, come and see the carpet in the hall. But we want you to know what our church is about. Our church is about Jesus Christ. Because he really is a God. And you're not an accident. And you're very important to God. Would you be willing to talk with someone about our church? Countryside Christian church. Christ. I don't know where you are in your faith walk and your journey. I don't know if you've ever been baptized through immersion the same way that Jesus was when Jesus went down into the River Jordan. But if that's something that you need to do, I invite you, let me know. Let me know. We can make that happen next Sunday. 
You know what's going to happen more? If you don't want to be uh, out in public, maybe you want to do that in your own pool, in your own backyard, and you want to just have a party where you invite your friends over and, and, and let them know, this is something I want to do, you can make that happen too. But if you don't know Jesus as your King and your God and your Lord, He's a good Savior. He's a good Savior. And He loves you. He cares about you. And He's interested in you. If you know who Jesus is, pull along somebody next week, pull alongside them, tell them about Jesus and encourage them about you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Help us to be bold. Help us not to withdraw. Help us not to shrink back. Help us to advance the gospel of our Savior Jesus in all that we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.